1: Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and I am very pleased, privileged and grateful to have an amazing guest today in Mark Victor Hansen. So Mark, thank you for joining me on the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast.
0: Beyond my pleasure. Thank you. And I'm
1: glad because I think First
0: of all, disrupt, if you're not disrupted today, you're going to be. So you ought to be the disruptor rather than disruptive. So I love that. And I teach as, you know, an entrepreneur is somebody who finds a problem, fixes it, scales it, and makes a vast profit. And by the way, there couldn't be more need than that
1: right now. So, Mark, I definitely would like to talk about that. Um, and I, I, you have almost sold more books than the Bible. It is crazy. I've been doing my research. And I don't want to talk about that straight away because I want to tell you a little story, if you don't mind. I'm kind of well known for doing long, rambly introductions, which probably aren't the best intros. But what I normally do when I have guests is I I try and get guests who I've got some personal connection with. I've studied. I've learned from. They've been a guide in my life in some way. And you won't know this, Mark, but I saw you speak. It was many years ago. And I always used to think I was good with goals. Um, I like to set goals. I think goals are really important. And I would set five or 10 goals a year thinking I was achieving quite a lot. And I saw you speak and you said that you set something like 200 goals. And and I scratched my head and I was like, come on, 200 goals. And I remember you saying that, look, if you only achieved half of them, that's still a huge uh, achievement. And you are the single person that got me going from five or 10 goals a year to hundreds of goals a year, to be goals, do goals, have goals, philanthropy goals, giving goals. Um, and my life's changed immeasurably since then. So first off, thank you. And second off, can you tell us about that? Are you a big goal setter? Has, have goals been forgotten? You know, they were big in the 90s, weren't they? But um, could you talk about goals? Well, first of all, where did we meet, Rob, just so I know uh, that? It, I, it was many years ago. I think you must have been speaking in London because I've not seen you in America.
0: Okay, well, I've spoken there Fantastic. a lot, you know, and BBC has been really good to us filling audiences. So I've taught forever that you ought to write 101 goals. I mean, one of my early books was this one, Future Diary, which said you ought to write at least 101, and now I've got uh, 1,682. But in our new book, Ask, I did in the back all the goals that I've hit. Like I wanted to be a recovery team diver, I am, and I wanted to start a rock and roll group, and I did when I was 16 in Victory And I wanted to milk a cow. I wanted to work with a genius. I worked with Buckminster Fuller. And I wanted to win a book of the year award. And I just, uh, right here, I don't know if you can see it very well, but I just became the author of the year a few days ago. This big glass sculpture that is, you know, three feet high. So, um, yeah, you got to set goals. And and I did, I've got 38 major sets of audio tapes. You can get them all on Audible, like dreams don't have deadlines. And I even wrote my 100-year goals, like I want to do, feed on fed humanity and, and uh, make sure world around education was going to happen. And we're part of that. And then I wanted to take all um, what you call liabilities, turn into resource. I said trash to cash. And I'm part of a company called QCI and we now can recycle every piece of glass, every piece of metal, every piece of plastic. And we need to employ in America, 22 million people immediately. So when the COVID, when we finally open up this uh, nonsense, we had to have sick people quarantined, but not healthy people. And and I've already had it, so I'm not gonna get it again, and so is my wife. We've done the blood test. So the, the point I'm making is, is that I'm part of a I own a company called Natural Power Concepts, which I did a whole set of tapes called Dreams Don't Have Deadlines, which is why you write too many goals. And we got pop-up windmills for urban wind, because solar is really good eight to eight, but wind is really good six PM to six AM, and we just got a seven hundred and twenty million dollar agreement. So when I say that you've got to write too many goals and they've got to be big and it gotta be lifetime goals. Your life is as good as your goals and no goals get no results. So that's like, for my mind, dumber and dumb, but most of us, I've got it in my mind. No, you don't get it until you deploy it on
1: paper. And is that too long an answer, sir? No, it's perfect. And like I said, I've been setting hundreds of goals a year ever since. And um, so thank you for that inspiration. So what right.
0: about two or three of them that hit for you? Give me the the ones that you've succeeded with if you don't mind sharing them.
1: Sure. So I broke broke a world record for the longest public speech, which was 46 and a half hours. So I wanted to break a world record. And uh, like you, I'm a speaker. So that was one. Um, Our training company, Progressive Property, became the UK's largest property training company, which was a goal of mine. I became a millionaire before 31. I'm not so bothered about my own money now, but, you know, I have a foundation now. That was another goal of mine. I set my foundation up at 37 I have another goal to have as many books as I am old. So I've written 18 and I'm now 41, but I only started writing at 27. So I'm catching up with myself. So when I'm 50, I'll probably have 50 books. So, and again, this was all inspired by you. So,
0: Well, first of all, thank you. And I would love you to write that. I'd love you to do this. You're going to give me a link, but I'd also like you to videotape it. But to make sure you keep writing, we've got a whole thing called You Have a Book in You. And I said, look the best book of all time hadn't been written yet because you have to write it. Everybody out there has got to get one. And if you go to buy this at Amazon, it's like $21. But if you come to my website, we give it to you electronically for $7.97 plus a bunch of other stuff. You go to markvictorhanson.com. And then number two is that I want everyone to set goals. I want to do a book of everybody's goals that they've written and they've achieved and want to achieve. So if you'd send me your goals, if you're open to it and your wife doesn't mind, assuming you have a wife, we like that. And then we'll ultimately do it as a videotape because I want to do a documentary because what if we could inspire 8 billion people to have goals and get everyone out of poverty, get everyone literate? Like right now, I'm because the libraries of America want help, and there's 16,000 of them, and they're started by Andrew Carnegie, a guy from Scotland, as you know. Um, I want everyone to be able to read because I say reading is a fundamental freedom of freedoms. But then once you know how to read, you got to set some great goals, which Andrew Carnegie did. And he became the richest guy. And then today, Jeff Bezos, the richest guy, because he said that had the world's biggest bookstore, which I'm the only guy that melted it down, which I melted it down with a one-minute millionaire, which we can talk about if you want. But I'm not trying to push anything. I'm just telling you what I've done. And then wouldn't it be nice if we got everyone to read, everyone to earn, everyone to learn? So, we tend the triangle looks like this learn, earn, and then return,
1: which is why you got a foundation. Perfect. Mm. All right. So, if it's okay with you, Mark, we'll do three rounds. Um, round one's going to be about your books, your authoring, because it's amazing. Round two's going to be a bit about your business experience. And then round three's going to be a quick fire. Is that all right?
0: Excellent. Okay. And congrats. I'm so,
1: talking 41 hour, 46 hours nonstop. Wow. What a guy. What a guy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right. So, I mean, there's different stats on the internet and I don't believe everything I read on the internet, but I think I've got this from your website. But apparently, um, the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, 110 million sales US, 500 million sales worldwide in 250 titles. Is that correct? That's correct. Over a half billion books. We sold 374
0: million just in China. And I until three years ago, I went to China for 22 years in a row, four times a year, and they paid me like 75 grand to talk. Uh, and it just we sold, and because this is one of the few books that's allowed in a Chinese communist country, so it is just rocketed. And and um, like I said to you before we began the show, BBC, when I've been there and gone through that whole building, which I'm sure you did a lot of times, um, has been extraordinary because all the people said I wrote that book when I was a teenager, and then you go,
1: <laughs> great, thanks, but So all I've really put here is wow and how. So, you know, take us back before the very first book you wrote. Why did you write it? What was the thinking behind the concept? Did you think it would ever be so big?
0: Great question. And there's a book I was going to show you. I must have it right here somewhere. Um, Wonderful, wonderful question. And I want to answer. Oh, good. I found it. Okay. So um, it's 1974. I'd been with the smartest guy on plan planet, Buckminster Fuller, for seven years, a research assistant, Einstein's best student. The guy did spherical buildings made out of triangles, geodesic domes, and, and dimaxing cars that went in three wheels that ran in alcohol, ethanol, and methanol, Buckminster Fuller. And I tried to be him, and I went bankrupt. I built the Wash Rack, club, Botanica, Gardens, Aviaries, and it was my best, worst experience. For six months, I'm upside down and sleeping in a sleeping bag in front of another guy's room, and then all of a sudden it hit, what do I really want to do? Right. And I wrote it down. I want to talk to people that care about things that matter that would make a life transformative difference. So I'm living in Hicksville, Long Island, New York. That's outside of New York. It's one of the five boroughs. And I go to my roommates or three roommates at breakfast. and I say, hey, guys, any of you know somebody young speaking that's not a lawyer, not a doctor, not a famous person, not a celebrity, not a Broadway star because we're in New York. And the guy said, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's kids speaking in Hop Long Island, New York. He's a little older than you, but boy, is he good. And I went out there and I heard Chip Collins. He became my best friend. For three hours, he mesmerized the audience. I was just—I went up and I shook my hand out, put my hand to shake his and and say, hey, Chip, teach me how to do what you're doing. He said, look, kid, chances, one in a thousand, you make it. You ain't going to make it. So let me just tell you, you shouldn't waste your time. I said, oh, I'll buy you lunch. Just tell me how to do it. He said, you stay out of real estate. That's my market in five boroughs, five areas, cities of New York. And uh, I'll teach you how to do it in life insurance. And I did four talks a day average. I did a, Tony Robbins and I are the only two guys I know that did a thousand talks a year for the first three years. But then people kept coming up to me and saying, hey, do you have that book? Do you have that story in a book? So here's my first book, Stand Up, Speak Out, and Win. And I said, hey, this isn't a New York Times bestseller. This is not a national bestseller. It certainly is not an international bestseller, but it is my bestseller. <laughs> and and I tell you what, Rob, what I want to do is I want to sign to you and your kids, and if you have a dog, I'll put your dog in there. And I was doing little audiences of six or ten people. I sold twenty thousand. I tripled my income from about seventy grand to about two hundred ten thousand dollars in the first year by selling this, and I signed it to everybody and everything that wouldn't move. I mean, and I, I just had, I went hey, I've come from bankruptcy the bottom and want to kill myself to the very top. And I said, well, I won't stop writing books. And now we've written 312 books and I've got about 12 more in line to do because publishers are coming out of the woodwork because they're saying, hey, what?" because of COVID, book sales are skyrocketing. Bookstores, unfortunately, are in trouble because they were closed too long. But at least in America, I don't know what's happening in Europe. You'd have to tell me that. Hmm.
1: All right. So that's the start of your journey. Um, and you seem to keep writing. So um why did you keep writing? Well,
0: it's sort of like what Ernest Hemingway said. They said, Look, you got Pulitzer Prize, you know the most famous people, you've been everywhere, done everything. Why would you write? Because you said, People love my stories and I got stories to tell. And what's happened lately, we did this great book called Ask, The Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. You and i will go into it deep, but once it started selling. All the audio tapes I did, I did like 38 major sets of audio tapes, like, and they're still all available, like how to think bigger than you ever thought you could think, and because I, I believe in big thinking and, and exercising it, like goals like we talked about. And dreams don't have deadlines, and that's why I wrote 100-year goals and inspire everyone else to do it. And the, the other guy who did it is Elon Musk. And in the short time, you know, you don't believe you can do it, and in the long term you can do anything. And he wrote down when he was at Stanford after coming out of South Africa – he wanted to be in the solar production and consumption business and storage business. He wanted to be in AI, which today he owns Neuralink. He wanted to go into space and go to Mars. Anyhow, he had five things, and he's done all of them. And he says he's just beginning. And then during COVID, which is important to all your people because he's such a good disruptor, the governor of California, who I disagree with philosophically and politically, shut down and said, Mr. Musk, you will not make cars during this time. So said, okay, okay, okay. I'll back off all, I got 90,000 people here, but I'll tell you what, he calls up and finds out we are short ventilators for people to keep breathing, right? So he calls up 3M and said, look, you can't make them. I got 3D printing. I got engineers. I got metal stored for cars. Give me the blueprint. I will share the profit and let's just make it. He makes them, but he made 90,000 cars during shutdown and became the fourth richest man in the world. Therefore, every disruptive person out there like i'm disruptive right and you're disruptive has got to understand there's always a bridge there's always a detour there's always a withhold there's always a stop sign you got to go over under around or through to get to the other side
1: for any training that we might run. Not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a a deeper community. I do supporter-only Ask Me Anythings. I do supporter-only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. So the link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. Your latest book, Ask, because um, we're going to move into round two in a moment. So tell us about that. So my wife, Crystal, who you're going to have on the show, have been
0: everywhere. We've been to 80 countries, talked to 7 million people and, and people, you know, what we discovered was they're good people, wise people, smart people, educated, personal, but the difference between somebody who succeeds a little and somebody who has vast success is one thing and one only, and that is they had the ability to ASK. And and we asked every time we've had a problem, both Chris and I individually and collectively, we had problems and we asked our way out of them. And what we discovered is the only way to get to your destiny is that by asking. So we said, look, there's three parts to it. Ask yourself, ask others, and ask God. And, and everybody out there that's unemployed, underemployed, or unhappily employed needs to know this God question. God, what's your destiny for me? God, what's your destiny for me? God, what's your destiny for me? And ask it 400 times before you go to sleep. And you'll wake up in the middle of the night and you'll have this great answer and make sure you've got your little diary and then write in your diary, tell your sweetie, Hey, I'm going to, uh, I listen to a guy, Mark Victor Hanson. I think he's nuts. But if this is true, if I really say what's my destiny, my inner knower, Crystal's a, a, you know, a clinical hypnotherapist, you know, and she can give you all the gobbledygook about how the mind works. But the bottom line is we're born over endowed with 18 billion brain cells. They can't even come to work till you go deep in questions so if you do it 400 times, you say, well, where did you do that? When Jack and I wrote chicken soup to the soul in 1990 and then came out in 93, is it, we said mega best-selling title, mega best-selling title, mega best-selling title. He calls me at two in the morning. This is before cell phones. So the whole house woke up and I said, yeah. And he said, I thought, Oh my God, the house on fire. Or one of our kids is sick or something or grandkids. And he said, um, he said, I'm, um, um, uh, chicken Soup. I said, for the soul. I said, we got it. We got goosebumps. Now, 144 publishers didn't agree with us. They all said, hit the road, Jack. And I said, hey, look, it's okay if you don't like him, but I am a nice guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> Jack's great. Jack's great, everybody. But So we wrote this book. And, and then our, back to asking your way through the problem. Our publisher calls up. It's coming out April 28th. So it's only been out a couple of months. And it's roared to the top but because of what we're doing. But he said, hey, look, do you want to push it back? because of COVID. And he had COVID at the time, which he told us. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, look, obstacles make entrepreneurs work. Entrepreneurs fix problems, scale them, and make a vast profit. I'm going to figure out how to do this. And we've been on over 100 podcasts, literally around the world, one in Vietnam with 10 million people. And the book went to number one in Vietnam. So everyone says, well, you're not number one in New York Times. Well, New York Times isn't publishing a list or wasn't. They may be now this week. I don't know that. But Right. We're number one in Vietnam. So and you're selling like crazy. So it's just, it just, we're, if you're awake, life can be exciting and fulfilling. How's that?
1: Perfect. OK, so should we move to round two, the businesses section? Yes, sir. OK, so just before we went live, you um, related to the um, title, the disruptive entrepreneur. And you said something along the lines of, you know, right now, especially with COVID, we need entrepreneurs, especially disruptive ones more than ever. So could you explain what you mean by that?
0: Well, either you're gonna be a disruptor or be a disruptive and 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 everybody needs to disrupt their own industry. like remember when I came out with this book chicken chicken soup, no one would take us. I'll go back there and then I'll come to ask. So when we came out with chicken soup we we're selling twenty thousand a week, which is the amount to get to number one on New York Times and a lady wouldn't do it at New York Times. She said, I call, so Jack said, do you have the courage to call her? Now, Jack's third in his class at Harvard, but he's the inside brilliant guy, right? I'm the street kid who just, I, I talk to everybody, you know, and I nobody intimidates me. Not four-star generals, not presidents, not premiers, not anybody. Certainly not somebody at a book company or, or New York Times, right? So I call her up and she says, Sir, you don't understand. You have a multi-author book. But yeah. She says, we. She was pompous and arrogant, and if she's listening to this, I hope she gets it in the ear. Pompous. Anyhow, she says, you are a multi-author book. I said, and you don't do multi-author books? She said, no. At the New York Times, we don't do multi-author books. I said, you're sure? She said, I'm sure. I said, well, you know, that's a shame because you did the Bible, and the Bible's a multi-author book. It has 66 books with different authors. If you add the back, it has... 720. She said, you're in next week, boy. <laughs> <laughs> then our publisher said, I said, look, if I hadn't been a professional speaker, I would have had a mega church. I said, look, I, I really love the Bible and, and I'm good at it. I'm good at a lot of spiritual systems. I know the Upanishads and Bananical literature and all that, But and and different literatures, but I love the, you know, I'm Christian, so I'm that there most. So I said, let's do the chicken soup. For the Soul Bible, it doesn't scare people. So he said, oh, I'm not going to do that. So I went to another publisher, got a publisher to do it. We did Chicken Soup for the Soul Bible, because you asked about this when we began. I sold 70,000 copies a week at Walmart. And it's purple because other books are black and they get thrown at you by uh, evangelists. And then we got little stories that get into the big story on the inside. And if you're going to be a disruptor, I'm just talking about disrupting in my business, we came out with One Minute Millionaire, we got a million dollars in advance of writing it from uh, Random House, the biggest publishing house. I said, we got to do it in my corporate colors, which are purple and gold. And a butterfly is a universal symbol of freedom. But you cannot look at Caterpillar, predict that we're going to be at a cocoon where 8 billion of us are, and predict that we're going to go into High Fly Butterfly. I don't, have, you seen, have you read this book yet? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how it comes over in Europe, but it, here – I said, look, let's do two books in one and be number one on on fiction and nonfiction, which nobody had ever done, because I teach business, you got to be unique. This is unique. Number two, got to be transformative. In other words, a reader reads it, it's transformative. And number three, it's got to be inevitable that if you get it, it'll make it work. And, And so on the left brain side, the left brain, we do 24 principles like leverage. How do you do leverage? How do you do exponential growth? And in the right brain, we did a story, which we want to do. And then if you remember, we have this little butterfly at the bottom, and boy, the publisher was flipped about this. I said, I want the butterfly to go all the way off the page and fly off the page when you get to the top. And we sold just in America 3.6 million, and in Vietnam, I've been hired there twice up until this COVID thing, because I'm trying to keep free enterprise free in there and not let the Chinese take over like they omnisciently took over your old country called Hong Kong and are trying to take over Taiwan, and that may be too political for your audience, but Books. Here, here's the major point. Whoever controls the narrative controls the world, according to Plato. And I want every one of you to write a book. I want every one of you to get rich. And the first line I wrote in this was, there's a million ways to make a million. There's one right, perfect, easy and acceptable way to you. And I don't care what it is. I mean, like the guy who created Dental Floss, I met him and he makes $2 billion a year. And, and you and I have had string in our hands since you are four years old, three years old, whatever the age is. Are you with me?
1: Mm, mm. I am with you.
0: <laughs> and like the guy who did the talks that you and I are doing now, in our country, the guy who created Temple University is uh, Russell Conwell. He'd given 6,000 talks, made enough money, started Temple University in Philadelphia. And what he did is he said, look, there's genius in everyone. There's acres of diamonds in your mind that you got to exploit, and it, you can't do it if you're a secretary of that and that. And the president, Abraham Lincoln's secretary, was sitting in front of him, and she used to have to pin papers together and bled on all the papers. Abe Lincoln, if you look at his original papers, they all had, they pinned it, right? And so she created the paperclip and made herself very rich at that time. And if you're downtown Philadelphia next to the temple, they got a six story paperclip dedicated to that little woman that heard him talk like people are hearing us talk. I got goosebumps telling you this because everyone's got, we need genius and genius has to be entrepreneurial it can't be socialism can't be fascism or communism it has to be in a system of free enterprise which basically your country is and ours is trying to get out of but i'm trying to keep us in it and um you
1: know does that make sense yep yeah, it does I mean, so, I'm not um, my <laughs> uh no you keep you keep getting on your box. I'm enjoying the show so um could you tell us about some of the opportunities that have um Spawned for you off the back of all of your books. Obviously, the speaking sounds like that's well paid for you. You gave us a bit of an insight in your fee and how many speeches you've done. Um, you said spoke some of your companies earlier, but you must have had so many business opportunities come from your books. Could you just tell us some, some of your favorites? Yes,
0: and I am going to show you another book. I got another book. If, they, if the people will go to my website, uh we will, and that's Hansen S E N H A N S E N, Danish in a way is we did a book called How to Be Up and Down Times, and I wanted to show it to you. It's a purple-covered book. Well, here, I can show you a, a, what it looks like. This isn't the book, but that's the cover, How to Be Up and Down Times. I wrote it with the, a lady I'm going to ask you to put on your show who does 22 million chickens organic, um, uh, antibiotic-free a week. Mitzi, Purdue, Purdue Chicken, they're in your country too, but they're the biggest in our country. But I, I, the first chapter of the book, I say, look, when we get out of this cocoon that we're in called COVID, which has five problems, not one, it's got COVID, it's got fear, it's got a media war, it's got a political war, and it's got people just shut down, which is what I want them to open up. You got to open up your mind before you can open up your heart, soul, and business. <clears throat> Anyhow, I wrote the seven businesses that are going to do not 50, not billion, but fifty trillion and and i know our numbers and yours are different but in america a thousand thousands a million a thousand millions a billion a thousand billions a trillion you're different than that somehow i don't remember how it is but doesn't matter right we'll go with yours (laughs) 50 trillion is a lot so i own a company called natural power concepts and we've got uh, chris and i invested 12 years ago and the money has been frozen and it's just right now breaking through thank god is the world's greatest. Um, surrealist artist is John Petrie. He is the Leonardo da Vinci of our time. If you go look at John Petrie, P-I-T-R-E artwork, you go, the guy is really cool. But I met him at an art thing, and I won't go into all that, but down in Florida, and and he showed me his inventions. He has 50 inventions, 252 inventions that'll change the world. And I said, yeah, I'll be a seminal investor. The company you want to watch the videos is naturalpowerconcepts.com, naturalpowerconceptsworld.com. But we got a pop-up windmill that goes 360 degrees. And solar is good, like I said, 8 to 8. And and wind is good from 6 p.m. most of the world to 6 a.m. next day. And then we got pulsating wave machines because everyone thinks waves go up and down. They don't. They move seven directions because John is not only a special ops guy, but he was – he's a recovery team diver like I am. And, and he, um, uh, John is a champion uh, surfer. I'm a wind surfer, but he's a surfer surfer. So he figured out how to take water, desalinate it, going through the pipe, clean up the water, clean up the energy, create excess energy and be able to ship it inland. And we're just able to do that. So that's one of the businesses. The other business is called QCI in, in uh, Detroit and QCI I wrote those 100-year goals. One was to take all trash and, and turn it into cash, take liabilities, reconvert it back into its normal form. There's no such thing as a bad asset, just assets we don't understand and don't know how to convert. Well, this guy, Dean Rose, in in uh, Michigan, has got spent $300 million, figured out how to take glass, put it back to glass, 99% of the molecules, water to water, uh, fuel to fuel, plastic to plastic, metal to metal. And he's the only guy that's done it comprehensively. And that job, they need 22 million employees in America right now. So it's exciting that we're at the most exciting time if we just open up our economy again. Look, we're going to have to have herd healing, so to speak. And we're going to have to, every one of us got to take care of our own immune system. My my wife, when you interview her, you'll see that she's, why she's a top nutritionist, because she knows stuff nobody knows. And that's why at 72, I have more energy than... 99.9% Ninety-nine, nine-tenths percent of the people.
1: Right. So you're a speaker. You've spoken so many speeches all around the world. You're handsomely paid. You inspire millions. I also notice you're standing up to do this interview. Um, and, and many people who I know who are um, professional speakers do that for energy. So A... How did you get into speaking? And, um, you know, just talk to us about the, the business of speaking, I suppose, from your point of view. First of all, I
0: like I want everyone to write a book. I want everyone to learn how to speak. And and even Warren Buffett, the world's richest investor, at least that's what we're told he is. And I've owned stock in Berkshire Hathaway in the past. I don't know, you but, know, but he said the most important class he ever took was not the one to get an MBA, which he had a fight to get into. But he took the Dale Carnegie course to learn how to speak. And Dale Carnegie, I was one of their top trainers back in uh, their world headquarters in Garden City, Long Island, New York. When I was coming forth, when I knew I wanted to speak, I thought I better go see what the biggest, and they were making about 50 million a year then. And I think my company, which is gonna have a lot of affiliates, so some people out there wanna be affiliates, they can write us at reception at markvictorhanson.com. And we're gonna do a lot of stuff because we've got to change the whole education system. We've gotta have everyone... Learn how to speak from the peak because people right now are so scared. They're so shut down. They're so depressed. Suicide is at an all-time rate, high rate because I've been on a lot of podcasts lately with uh, both military and with um, psychiatrists. And it just breaks my heart because we need people to think right, talk right, act right, and speak from a peak on the platform to wake everybody back up. And that speakers have an enormously important position in the world. And everyone says, well, everyone can listen to YouTube. No, 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 (laughs) no. Look, there are 8 billion people on the planet. I don't care how powerful you and I can get. We can never talk to everybody. Just like everybody isn't going to read my books, but I get everyone to write a book. Somebody will read your book that'll never touch mine. And hopefully it'll make the world lighter, brighter. And it's what our smartest president was probably Thomas Jefferson, and Jefferson said, look, if I give you an idea, it takes nothing from me, but makes the world brighter and more intellectual and more enlightened. It's like, if if my candle's lit and yours, Rob isn't, I light your candle and my candle. It doesn't take anything from my candle. But if you do it the other way, when Crystal and I fell in love, you let, you take two candles that are lit, and she's totally lit, and it jumps eightfold. That's exponential growth, which is what we have to have now. Because we've got to include the 4 billion people that are not included in a planet. We've got a reading, I said, is the greatest freedom and that'll give us, the, reading is a freedom of freedoms. That'll give us the energy, which will give us the water, which will give us the food, which will give us abundance, that we can have abundance for all 8 billion.
1: There's more than enough for everyone's need, Mahatma Gandhi said, but not everyone's greed. Mm. Okay, so one more in the business round. Um, and and so from your website, it states that you're dedicated to helping young people Become financially literate and to turn their entrepreneurial dreams into business achievement. So, I'm going to come to that in a moment. There's some serendipity in this because I have a foundation, the Rob Moore Foundation, um, which the vision of my foundation is to help as many people on this planet start and scale their business and get a better financial education, especially young and underprivileged people. Um, I'm running a, a young entrepreneur summit um, with the Prince's Trust here in the UK in February. So, um, Something very close to my heart as well as yours. So what is your plan to um, help young people to become financially literate and to make their entrepreneurial dreams come true? Okay, I got four things. So
0: let me just, first of all, I wrote a book called The Richest Kids in America, but I would like you to do The Richest Kids in UK and rich Kids in Europe. I found nine, I found 21 kids that had made over a
1: million dollars before they're 19. Now, right, I'm, got, I'm just going to make a note of this. You've given me a challenge here. I'm going to do it. Yeah. No, no, I, I by the way, I mean,
0: look, I'm challenging you to read Ask. I'm challenging everyone to read Ask and then go join Ask the book club. That's a whole different issue. But with regard to this, so that's number 1. I'd like everyone to read obviously my book and then you get the book and then I'll write the endorsement to it and all that cuz it just it's too critical. We got to teach kids free enterprise. My parents had no money so they I was sort of forced into earning my own bicycle, which was it was a, a British bike, believe it or not. It was ride a wheel in Sheffield Steel. And I visualized it every night. I got greeting cards. I went up to all the neighbors and said, I'm earning my own bicycle. Would you like to invest in one box of Christmas cards or two? I sold 376 boxes of Christmas cards, became the number one greeting card salesman. 30 years later, the same company comes to me and says, we'd like you to write the greeting cards for Gibson greeting card. And I said, 30 years ago, I was your number one young salesman. There's a Boy Scout. It was so great. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, we just got off the biggest podcast in the world with Casey Adams. And I'm going to have you go on his podcast and he's going to come on yours. Casey is 20. He made 18 million dollars last year. I won't take you through how because that's not my job. But he wants the same thing you want. Number three, I'm a winner of the Horatio Alger Award. Uh, Here's what it looks like. This is the guy, one of the two guys that wrote us out of the Depression. This is the award you get, and you get a gold medal and all that. You win it in the U.S. Supreme Court, and it's given to distinguished Americans, not extinguished Americans. So, but it's got, you know, 10 of us win it a year and one international. And we take at-risk kids and get them to go to college. And that's, that's one. And then number two part of that is... I just want to give you the full thing. I Sorry, I, I know you're not supposed to walk off set, but you're not going to get upset. Don't worry.
1: Look, it's your rules. You play them.
0: <laughs> if you don't like it. Anyhow, um, <laughs> next year, if assuming uh, meetings are happening, I want to invite you as my guest. You get to invest your own money. It costs about 15 grand to go, and you get the you see the award given in the Supreme Court. All the money goes to kids. None of us take the money. We bring all of our friends to pay 15 grand, and that's how... We raise enough money to get twenty five thousand kids to go to college a year, and I want you to look up Horatio Alger and then copy it in the UK, and I'll introduce you to Terry Giroux, our our leader. But every year, Chris and I go, and and Reba McIntyre is a winner, and Dolly Parton is a winner, and and uh, you know the top top people are winners. Like uh, anyhow, but one of the guys that's a winner I want to talk about that's so good is is uh, Ben Carson. He's our head of HUD now, but Ben. Car- Dr. Ben Carson started out in third grade failing. By fourth, by third grade, his mother said, "Benny, you're failing in school. So you go to the bookmobile, get a book, two books a week. You're going to read them, write a report. And I'm going to do." He didn't know his mom was illiterate, and she'd circle it and check it. But he went from the bottom of the class, to top of the class, gets to Yale Medical School on a scholarship, becomes the first black pediatrician. Did 15,000 pediatric surgeries; every kid lived. And now he's head of HUD, and he's trying to get people out of housing and urban development. But he personally, at, at Horatio, uh, gives 8,000 scholarships to kids that are fourth grade to high school, and they get uh, a little medal and a $1,000 that he multiplies, so they'll have $40,000 by the time they go to college. And I spoke to all 8,000 kids that won this last year, and they get this little award. And then, you know, the the kids walk – there's Dr. Carson, if you've never seen this picture – and if you haven't read his book or watched his video um, called Gifted Hands, I wrote the Ford. But Ben, Dr. Carson and Ben's wife, Candy, and I together. Uh, but you just see these, these kids are just so amazing that he says, look, we celebrate athletes. We celebrate entertainers, We don't celebrate intellectuals. So we want to celebrate all the intellectuals. And what was amazing to me is we had all these kids. And one of the parents who was rich was so blown away, came up to the dinner table. I was at the head table and gives Mrs. Carson a a check. Here's a kid, so we get more kids to get this. Gave a check for $10 million. I had nothing to do with it. I just am saying, once you get this thing going, I want you to help out more kids everywhere. Because you and I are in a privileged position. Being articulate, being eloquent, being willing to share, being willing to think, being willing to be a gadfly, being willing to stab spirits alive, being willing to say, hey, look, expand this, I thought. Everyone's going to tell you it's Pollyanna. You write goals. You think you're going to get them, Rob. Who you think you are? That guy, Mark Hansen's an idiot. What does he got? Well, I got a half billion books sold and really big businesses that I own. And I'm on the board of really big businesses, so I think I've done okay. But I really want to help. And, yes, I we're going on vacation. and We still have, even though we're supposed to be locked out, we're having great vacations. And, and I got six grandkids in our blended family, and we love every one of them. And, and they're really precocious. I can talk to that if you want.
1: All right. Thank you, Mark. I, I'm, I've, you've given me three new goals. I've just been noting them down while you've been talking. So that's great. Tell me the three goals. I just want to hear what they are. OK, so Casey Adams podcast. You said you need to make that happen. So I want to make that happen. Um, connect with Dr. Ben Carson and see if there's some work that mine and his foundations can do. Um, and look into writing the richest kids in the UK book endorsed by you. Isn't that nice? And
0: then number four is you're going to try to go to Horatio Algier Award. You're going to make so much money, you can afford to A, fly over and B, pay 15 grand to help kids in America and Canada. And maybe you could start Horatio in Europe. I mean, I've never even thought about it and I'm not on the board of directors, so I don't want to say that, but I do have a little bit of influence because there's only like 200 of us that are um, members and we bring out the whole who's who. And then the entertainers in our group, like we have uh, the, the world's greatest orc- – we have two – got to be careful because in London, you've got uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber who is coming out again or was coming out. He got well, I'm told. I love his music. But in America, our two best are Quincy Jones, who's in Horatio with me, and Quincy did a little guy named Michael somebody, Jackson. I don't know if you know that name or not. A little Here's a little thriller, right? And then the other guy is uh, – uh, <clears throat> The guy who brought out first Barbara Streisand and then he brought out Celine Dion and he's, uh, you know, Josh Grogan and, and he's called the hit man. And, uh, you know, both guys, curiously enough, at 13 years old were either kicked out of school or quit school because school said, you guys just can't make it. And what I'm saying is they both had orchestration ability, writing ability, musical ability in their soul, but the schools didn't recognize it. I'm not making the school wrong. What I'm saying is We need to find the greatness in everybody, everybody that's Asperger's or whatever, because there's greatness, there's superior super talent in every living being of eight billion people. I hope you agree with that proposition that I've just put up.
1: I do agree. 100% agree. We're all unique. We all have a different um, hierarchy of values. Therefore, there is no two people on the planet the same. Therefore, there is no one like us. Sometimes we just need someone to believe in us when we don't know that ourselves and then maybe to honor that uniqueness and that genius, whatever it might be. So I completely agree. Right, should we go into the quick fire round?
0: One second. What you just agreed with, let's, let's do it for them. Let's do it for your listeners and video watchers. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Rob, and I have not got any right to talk for him, but I'm going to talk for him right now. He and I are giving you full 100% permission to believe in yourself at the depth of your soul, your mind, your being, your heart, and your brain to go fulfill your destiny. And we don't care what it is as long as it's honorable and ethical and all that. But the point is, if your mother, your father, your teacher, your boss, your employer, your military doesn't allow it, we're holding up the mirror, and I think Rob will agree with me, and saying, hey, look, somewhere in there, there's greatness. And your job is to, I would say, read my book, Ask, if you don't have a better way to get to it, and go deep like Socrates did and pull
1: out that magnificent you. Is that okay to talk for you on that? That is okay, but it doesn't matter because you've just done it anyway. But it is okay, (laughs) right? So just so I could be on your show. Yeah, for sure. This look, this is your airtime. I'm really enjoying this, so thank you, Mark. So, um, Harry, uh, let's see if anyone wants to ask any questions as well. So, um, if there are any questions anyone wants to put in on the live, we're going to do a quick fire. Mark, you can answer these as quick or go into detail if you want. But just to let you know, I've gone through some of your quotes. You are so well quoted on the Internet. There are so many quotes that are attributed to you. And I've gone through some of them um, just to ask some different questions which might lean towards your quotes. Um, But before I do that, the first thing is, what would you say is your greatest success and your greatest failure? My greatest success is
0: marrying Crystal Dwyer Hanson. Um, I asked her once. I fell in love with her. I asked her every day, and and we even had one of uh, great musicians, Matt Ferry, write a song, which we did at our wedding, called "Ask and Say Yes" once again. So I get goosebumps telling you that. I I just I I've been the most blessed kind of world. That's that. My greatest failure. Um, I've had so many, but I, I would say, and I know it's going to be hard to believe, but that I didn't do more earlier. I didn't write more books. I didn't make more tapes because. You say, well, you got 312 and have sold like crazy. They have, but there's so much in here because I've spent so much, I spend two to five hours a day imploding stuff. And it just is so important to share it. And, and I have an audience, like you've got an audience, and my audience is back growing again. And I want everyone to go to my thing. And and what I <laughs> he just said, so he said, go watch you all day. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so he says you're a super character. They're flying in, Mark. Look. But every one of us is supposed to exempt, exemplify your characterness. So I'd, I'd say my greatest failure, other than going bankrupt, I'd say, is not doing enough when I, when I knew what to do. So what I'm going to recommend is, that, let me just hit that, because I did write this book called You Have a Book in You. And what I say is don't write one book at a time. That's what stops people. When I did a Chicken Soup for the Writer's Soul, I was with uh, the guy who had 7,000 major songs, like I'm Into Something Big, a Broadway big hit. He created The Tonight Show. He wrote 40 major books. Totally dyslexic, like your neighbor and my good friend Richard Branson cannot read. You know, he reads backwards and upside down, so he dictates everything. Well, this guy uh, dictated on 28 tape recorders at a time. And what he said is you never have writer's block on 28 subjects at the same time. Isn't that cool?
1: Yeah, I I felt I was a bit alone in that, Mark, because, yeah, because I'm writing five or six books at the moment. And I always felt like I was a bit of a mad professor and very misunderstood or, or I was actively procrastinating. But you've um, you've given me faith again. So that's good. All right. So um, what is the key to success, Mark?
0: The, the key to success is, is deciding at depth what your destiny is and then be passionately on purpose and make it your magnificent obsession like my magnificent obsession is writing excellent books. And then that's only 10% of it. 90% is you got to decide that you're going to hustle, you're going to sell, you're going to market and you're going to promote. And that's what, you know, I did the whole course on how to do that. Because what I do different than any other author, and the reason I sell more than anybody other than the Bible, which is not easy or a fair comparison, because those guys aren't around. But if we do bypass marketing, and we're doing it again now, but we were on the side of 50 million diet co cases with our book and, and Nora Roberts' book, our book, uh, Chicken Soup for the Romantic Soul, Nora's book, Hidden Riches. And we, and we sold enough books to get 15,000 kids into boys and girls clubs. That's called <clears throat> cause related charity. And, and we were on 50 mil, 600 million Campbell soup can, and you had to open up the label and it had three stories. And if you bought the book, it went to charity again. And then when America was out of blood, um, the head of uh, Red Cross at the time was Elizabeth Dole, and, and her name goes by Liddy. And she said, hey, Mark, you have all these crazy ideas. And I know this is probably not going to work, but could you get blood for the Red Cross? Because I can't get it. And we're out of blood. And people die. When there's a car accident, we don't have pseudo blood. There's no such thing as false blood. you got to get real blood to a real person. And it, it's got to be matching blood and all that. I said, how fast do you want it? She said, I need it yesterday. I said, well, I'll have it next week. And I said, well, well, let's do medical doctors. She said, they won't do it. I tried that. So I said, look, I, I market, I'm in four big markets, but one of them is chiropractic. And these guys and I, I teach them how to have high-volume practice because the greatest amongst you is servant of all. So I want you to have a high-volume practice, really get your healing energy. So we wrote uh, 77,000 doctors and said, hey, look, bring in your old uh, patient that's delinquent or not coming in or not showing up or or quit you or whatever and say if you give a pint of blood we'll give you a free adjustment and call 800 give life that's the number for the red cross and call it and get a blood mobile we got enough blood in one week cryogenically frozen for a year and a half in advance but everybody got three little stories in chicken soup for the soul three which sort of looks like uh, i don't see it right now but anyhow we did it and and again we're 58 weeks number one because all those people never heard of our book suddenly heard our book and then the other bypass market I did was we have a thing called Dollar General and Dollar Stores and ninety nine cent stores.
1: You must have something equivalent, right? Yeah, Poundland. Yeah, yeah, Pound store. Yeah. We
0: everyone said, "Well, you're wrecking the business. You're selling a dollar book." I said, "I said, no, no, no. The person that's in the dollar store is not darkening the door of Barnes and Noble books, putting in D Dalton or Hudson. I promise you, if anything, so I sold fifteen million books a year. And got fifteen cents a book." Because it's bypass marketing. No other author wanted to do that. And I said, hell, you know, there's. I want everyone to read. The poorest of the poor, I'd give them a book because I want them to read. Does that make sense? It makes sense. All right, then. Um What is worry? What is worry? Worry is stewing without doing it. It's a one-way elevator going down, and it, it'll make you involute rather than evolute. Spiritual literature in Genesis says you're here, in the, it made in the image and likeness of the creator, Genesis 1.28. Therefore, you and I are here to create and contribute. And the people that feel depressed aren't creating and aren't contributing. Therefore, you've got to express rather than depress. And to express, you've got to contribute and create. Does that make sense? Totally. What is wealth? Wow. That is wonderful. I've never had that asked before. Well, there, I say that riches is whatever riches is to you. And that, you know, when somebody says, all I want to do is be richer, and I say, what do you want? Maybe more money. So I pull out a quarter you know, 25 cents in American money. I give it to him. I said, now you're a quarter rich, but that isn't what you really wanted. What you really want is wealth. And if we're going to do a baseline, the reason we did One Minute Millionaire and then cracking the millionaire code is that you need a minimum of a million to go into the future to be free, to self-express, to fulfill your talents, to travel, to have your abilities, to eat fine meals, to stay at nice places so you're not living guttural. And then if you can, you want to expand that to at least 10 million because now you really have a whole nother level of freedom, and it's available to everybody. The Upanishads, the oldest spiritual literature in the world says, out of abundance. He or she took abundance, and still abundance remained. There's fundamentally abundance, and my teacher, Bucky Fuller, said, look, we can make the world work for 100% of humanity. Today's Bucky Fuller, I say, is my colleague, Dr. Peter DeMandis, who wrote Abundance and wrote Bold. Mm. And Peter says the same thing Bucky said. Technology is what's going to leverage us and give us exponential growth. So everyone needs to participate at some levels in technology like we're doing right now on Zoom. I mean, before COVID, it was doing okay. Once COVID hit, I don't know the real numbers, but it went up 671 million members like you and I in one month. Mm. And it almost crashed their system. (laughs) Probably did.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that laugh. Um,
0: what is courage, Mark? Courage is your ability to step on fear. And courage isn't lack of fear. It's just you say, hey, wait a second. got to be bigger than my fears, right? And Napoleon Hill is one of my, uh, obviously, teachers by reading and watching his videos. He said he wrote all the fireside chats for FDR. He said, confront your fears and make it disappear. And that's really what we got to do. And in the Bible, there's only two lines repeated 365 times. First one is fear not. And usually it's followed by all as well, right? But, and we got to fear not. But, and the only way you can do that is if you're spiritually connected, as far as I can tell. And the other one is be in joy. And, and you know, that's what I am. Is it, If you're happy and you're doing what you need to be doing, like this is my right livelihood and passionately on purpose about doing it, and hopefully I'm doing it well. And based on the feedback we're getting on your uh, monitor, it seems that they're happy, camper. So I'm happy for you all and happy for us. Great. What inspires you? everything. But deeply, I'm deeply inspired by my wife. I'm deeply inspired by the books I read, the audios I listen to, the podcasts I listen to. When I exercise, like I was up at before dawn and spinning this morning, and I'm listening to spin because, you know, I don't need to tell me go faster, go faster, go faster. (laughs) Or when I'm doing muscle training, um, I'm exercising because at 72 years young, you've got to be Fit. you've got to do resistance training every one of us not just mark victor hansen and rob and i don't know the exercise but you look like you're in good shape from my seeing you here we all need to be more fit than we've ever been amen
1: what's the best advice you can ever remember receiving
0: Fulfill your destiny. Cabot Roberts, the dean of speakers, the guy who started the National Speaker Association, the guy who started selling product from a platform, and taught me and taught Zig Ziglar, taught Zig Ziglar and myself and all of us how to do it. Didn't know he was going to be creating a thirty billion dollar a year business out of, of just his mind. He went and talked to fifteen thousand Rotarians, had a little audio tape in this big brand new thing. This is nineteen seventy four, so it had been uh, nineteen seventy. Uh, uh, Sony came out with this thing called a um, tape rec- a cassette tape recorder. I've got one in there, I can't pull it fast enough. And he 15,000 out of 15,000 bought the tape called Either the Creature Circumstance, or the Creator, which saved my life when I was bankrupt. I listened to it 287 times. That's why I say you got to listen to pods of uplifting, inspiring stuff. And he also bought the tape recorder and he couldn't sleep for three days. He said, What did I say that sold all those? And he created an industry and didn't know he was doing it. I mean, not I. I I don't want to talk. I, I, I'm just saying, I don't know that Cabot saw that it would be as big as it is that He's light beamed off the planet, but I was with him up until 89. He was 89 when he light beamed out, and he was a great friend. All right. Can
1: you remember the worst advice you've ever received?
0: Worst advice? I don't remember because I, I dispel that kind of stuff, and I've got to tighten I this up. I thought
1: that might be your answer. Yeah. We've got uh, two more quick ones. You have to go, Mark. Is okay, that? Sure. Two more quick questions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so if, Is there one thing in the world that you think is really wrong that you'd like to change?
0: (laughs) I'd like to take all the garbage and turn it into assets for our asset universally. How's that?
1: Perfect. Um, Is there one person alive on this planet that you would love to see me interview on this podcast?
0: Yeah. If you haven't done uh, Richard Branson, you got to get Richard on. He is just wonderful. Have you
1: met him? No, I haven't. No, not yet. I told you to write. Okay, thank you. Um, Final question then, Mark. Um, this podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Um, what does disruptive mean to you?
0: Disruptive means you can't do it the way we've been doing it. When Steve Jobs went to Kodak and saw that they had not patented digital photography in one year, he took it, put it in a cell phone, and in one year, a $38 billion company went from the very top to the very bottom. Inside every company, there's greatness, and you got to, back to our book, ask, you've got to ask, what's working, what's not working, what can we do 10% better? Because... You can't let digital photography go to somebody else when you invented it and forgot
1: to patent it. Amen. And look, we've got lots of your books here to consume, so I definitely encourage everyone to go get them. What one place should we go to be able to continue to follow all your work? Just go
0: to markvictorhanson.com if you would, please. And I look forward to staying in touch. If you want to write me, just write reception at markvictorhanson.com.
1: Thank you, Mark. It's been a real pleasure. Ditto. Great pleasure. Thank you. Thank. you. Take care.